What is up, you beautiful, beautiful people? Back again with the ATB Pod. I'm your host, Chandler Adams. Alongside me, as always, is co-host John Kaufman. We're here today to talk offensive line. Mmm, some thick boys. A Buckeye at number one on the interior offensive line. A potential spot for a new Browns offensive tackle. All that and more. We've got so many, so many prospects to talk about. A couple deep sleepers and your surefire plug-and-play starters. All that right after this break. This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. What's up, draft nerds? Welcome back (laughs) to the Across the I love Board it. Sports Podcast. I wish I could be as vulgar as Joe Rogan, but I'm always afraid somebody like I know it's stupid, she doesn't listen, but like what if my grandma listens to one that I post on Facebook? I know. I and know. I'm like <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, his opening right. lines are the best. But <laughs> man, I don't have a Joe Rogan intro for you all you ladies and gentle turds and draft nerds, but we have something better. We have some offensive linemen, NFL draft prospect talk. We're going to talk guards. We're going to talk tackles. Uh, We're going to talk about how the Browns are going to let Johnny go run the analytics department. Um, A lot of good stuff coming out. Johnny who? You. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I I was making sure that you weren't referring to Johnny Stanton, the new Browns fullback, who was the our guest on our last show. Oh um, man, they should go know, listen to that. Well, they they already have, obviously. I mean, mm, yeah, that's know, true. Because they're you downloading all. and subscribing, and uh, you know that's how they're finding out about our podcast every uh, every few days. And downloading. <laughs> but I would be honored to run the Browns analytic uh, department. That would be uh, what's called phone lines are open currently. I. Uh, haven't received the call yet. I'm sure it's just a formality, obviously. But, uh, you know, they want to get, they probably want to get a few other, you know, faces in the building first. Uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, they're going to get me in there for an interview. Joe Woods, obviously, you know, a couple more, a uh, couple guys like that. So. I'm go ahead and run the Indians. First thing we'll do, sign Francisco Lindor to a 10-year deal, $30 million a year. Lock that down. Because $30 million a year for a player like Lindor is basically non-existent in the sport of baseball. Get it done. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it really is. It's one-eighth of the contract. It's basically one-eighth of the cap space. Basically. I mean, it's not. But anyway, are you ready to get this started, John? Man, I cannot wait to talk about offensive line. This is um, 
I mean, we did quarterbacks already, and that episode was a lot of fun. Um, you know, like we talked about, quarterbacks are extremely important, uh, regardless of whether your team needs one or not, because, you know, it's going to affect uh, the draft. They're going to go higher than they probably should. People are going to reach because they need quarterbacks. Um, and here's the first episode after the quarterbacks um, where we're going to get to see, you know, the result of that. So if three quarterbacks go in the top six, that means, you know, they're not necessarily the top, you know, three of the top six players in the draft. Um, so if that's the case, then you're going to see tackles especially fall. So if your team is tackle needy, and obviously we know that, uh, you know, we, we're covering everything here in the, it's across the board, but um, we've got a lot of Browns fans, listeners. So, um, you know, they're the Browns are at number 10. And, you know, if they're going to take a tackle, uh, they're going to have their pick of the litter because, like I said, I, I really think three quarterbacks are going to go in the top six for sure. I, I think you can pretty much chisel in stone Burrow, Tua, and uh, Herbert for sure. And then if you go check out Chandler Adams' last mock draft, 1.0, this is the first mock draft I'm coming out with. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It's uh, out there on Twitter, the first 14 picks. Jordan Love trades up. To the 10th pick, obviously. I mean, sorry, the Colts trade up to the number 10 pick, obviously. Give the Browns a 13th pick and then an extra pick to boot later on. But, yeah. You ready to talk about some big boys? First of all, I like that trade. That's fun. Uh, and, uh, yes, I am ready. Let's. Uh, all right, I have a little sound bite. This is going to sound bad because I just thought of it, so I had to pull up on my phone. But this is the theme for today's show. Damn, boy. Damn, boy, he's thick. Boy, that's a thick ass boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Damn, boy. <laughs> our thick. first, our first thick boy. I know all you buck nuts are gonna love this, and I know you're gonna hate that I just called you a buck nut. You're loyal. I respect it. I'm a rabid Browns fan. Jonah Jackson, Ohio State University is my number one offensive interior offensive lineman on the board, John. Yeah, uh hard to blame you there. What uh what is it about Jackson that you uh that you love? I'm so glad you asked. And also, this sounds really scripted, but John and I legitimately do not script this out. It just give and take. I give, he takes. <laughs> it's <laughs> office joke. Um anyway, what really excites me about Jackson, this is the crazy... Okay, there's two crazy stats today, draft nerds. This first one is the... It's the less of the two. But the other the other ones, that, that one will really turn you off of a player. This one's going to turn you on to someone. And 1,020 pass blocking snaps in his entire career. So, you know, five, five to six hundred... Six hundred... 600 of those were with Rucker. John, he allows, he has allowed zero hits on his quarterback and one sack. <laughs> Playing in the Big Ten for three years, 1,020 pass blocking snaps. He's played way more snaps than that. This is just pass blocking snaps. And you got to think about all those times Rucker's been down and they've had to pass and pass and pass, and they know they're going to pass and pass and pass. And then he goes to Ohio State, and all they do is pass and pass and pass. One sack, zero hits. 
that's freaking insane. I, I don't even know like where to go. They're obviously, you know, um, Natani Muti. He is amazing. He's had injuries though, so if you don't have Jonah Jackson first on your interior offensive lineman list, I highly question it. Um, so I told John I'm going to be on it with the uh, comparisons today. So I was thinking, what the hell is Jonah Jackson? Well, if you watch Jonah Jackson play, he almost never loses balance. He never falls off guard. His hands don't get beat off. God, that sounds terrible. His feet don't slip out from underneath him. So, John, you'll probably know what this is. He's the Toy Smith Balancing Eagle. Have you ever seen one of those? Oh, yeah. So, for all of you listening, um, it's this eagle that sits on its beak, and it looks like it's going to fall. Like It just looks like it should fall, but all the weight is in the head so it's able to stay on this little point so no if you hit it it bounces right back up i'm really not sure how it works but that's what he is he never falls down even when he looks like he should be off balance he's not and i i mean obviously he can protect your goddamn quarterback so go get jonah jackson first round pick book it now yeah um i also have jonah jackson number one um for the interior offensive lineman ranking. And I mean, you said it, uh, the zero hits allowed one sack throughout his entire career. I mean, in, you know, the last season, obviously at Ohio state, okay. You know, tons of pass blocking snaps, better offense, everything else. He didn't allow a sack or a hit at Rutgers. Like that's, it's not like he was getting, you know, tons of help. Uh, I mean, and I know that, you know, the, the hits allowed and sacks allowed are individual stats, but I mean, like, you know, it, it's, it probably is kind of hard to Do it get yourself. up for every single snap when you're on Rutgers and you're, you know, looking for your first win every November mm. and you're like, oh, dear God, like this is just how draining is it to be, you know, losing on a losing team, you know, week in, week out. And this guy is just playing out of his mind so yeah um interesting that you know tackles are obviously the premier position you know along with quarterback cornerback um edge rusher and you know but the like interior you know guards and things like that the, these guys i mean this this guy can change your line instantly and the best part is they don't cost you know he's not going to go in the first six seven eight picks obviously i mean you know, these guys are, it's rare, obviously, when guards go, you know, very, very high. Um, in the past few years, uh, even. But, yeah, so this guy, you know, as soon as you start to get around pick 26, you know, maybe 24, 25, 26, uh, somebody's going to get a really, really good um, interior lineman. This is going to be, he's going to make some line uh, instantly better. So, yeah, Jackson at one for sure. Easy. I I completely agree. And playing at a team like Rucker, you know we can play at a team like the Browns and the Bengals and the Dolphins, so just, just bring him home. Bring him home. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so. If he is there, though, uh, in the second round, uh, for whatever reason, the, the Browns could look at him. He's not going to fit what Stefanski wants to do, but he has the balance to run that outside zone scheme, even though he is a premier passing protector but right. yeah john who do you got at number two this this one's important because we had to look up how to pronounce his name <laughs> yeah 
So number two is uh, Tyler um, Biadish, and he's from Wisconsin. Um, and if you Google Tyler Biadish and you see his photo, there is no other conclusion that you can come to other than that guy must play offensive line for the Wisconsin Badgers. <laughs> or some so, high school in rural Ohio. <laughs> yeah, like, or he's a Viking without his helmet on. Like, oh, my he, gosh. And I mean, like, Viking, how, actual Viking helmet, not Minnesota Viking. He's helmet, got but. that terrible, terrible farmer haircut where, like, the bangs hang down almost halfway down their forehead and the top is puffy. <sighs> I don't know if he picked Wisconsin because he, of the mascot and the fact that he is as mean as a badger, but that's Ooh. this guy. I mean, boy, does he stand out. For, oh, first of all, uh, you know, as far as run blocking, you know, uh, centers go, he, he's he's just the best in the country. Um, mm -hmm. So it, incredible. Lowest. Uh, what this is? Pro Football Focus has his uh, lowest graded. Uh, season was 82.1 and that was in 2017 um, um so i mean just incredible mean uh you know big good size he's uh 6'3 320 um you know hands feet uh, just technique is good everything you like to see from you know uh, um an interior guy and you know smart as hell too and that's the other thing i mean obviously offensive line is a tough position to play and you you just you know you want smart guys everywhere but um, Biadish is incredibly smart and, um, you know, uh, run, uh, blocking schemes, calls, you know, things like that checks with the quarterback. I mean, he's got it all. So yeah, he's number two and, and it's, I think it's kind of, uh, by a mile Jackson and Biadish are, are, are an easy one, two for the interiors for sure. Yep. I completely agree. Um, as a run blocker, phenomenal as a pass blocker he was down this year you know his pff grade was only a 70 um and he was taking off his feet an awful lot but but you know go back and watching uh some wisconsin tape he, it's not like uh, it's not like on those bad passing reps that you just went oh my gosh undraftable it was just like oh no you gotta clean that up uh you gotta. You can't get your. You can't get your hand slapped down like. It's just like little things that. Uh, and Wisconsin. Don't get me wrong. Wisconsin's offensive line coach does a phenomenal job. Might be one of the best in the country. Every year they're producing people out. But it's just little things he's got to clean up. And I keep going back to this outside zone scheme. But like, it's it's going to become more prevalent in the NFL, in my opinion. If you don't have Patrick Mahomes. If you don't have Lamar Jackson, if you don't have Russell Wilson, but you have Jimmy G, who's an average at best quarterback, yeah, fight me on it. Um, you're gonna see it. We we just had the most average quarterback since Trent Dilfer. I'm gonna go on quote as saying that I haven't looked at the quarterbacks over the last since 2002, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. In the past 18 years, we just had the most average quarterback lead a team to a Super Bowl, and it wasn't like it was a Cinderella run. They were the best team in football. Whoa, you're are you you're comparing Jimmy G to Trent Dilfer? No, he's not as good as Trent Dilfer. <laughs> oh, Jimmy G oh is better God. than Trent Dilfer, but you know we've had the Roethlisberger, the Mannings, the Bradys, the Wilsons, it, the even Flacco. Uh, I guess Flacco and Garoppolo are about on the same page, but you know this outside zone scheme that 49ers ran. It's it's able to make Jimmy G a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah. 
No, so, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So if Biotish is to go anywhere in the NFL, I I mean, the, a run, a run first team, obviously, or even an outside zone scheme would just be phenomenal because even the outside zone scheme would cover up his bad pass blocking a bit. If he goes to a run heavy team, he'll just absolutely dominate with like he did with Jonathan Taylor. Right. But speaking right. of domination, my third guard on the list, I don't know about John. I think John's too. Natani Muti of Fresno State. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. I want to preface this. If Natani Muti had not Torres Achilles, had not had shoulder injury ending his season, he would be my number one guard, most likely. And probably my number one offensive lineman. But because of the injuries, I just don't feel safe putting him in the top two. Sorry. But he's played tackle. He's played guard. He's the most powerful pound-for-pound player in this draft. No. On the field, most powerful pound-for-pound player. We actually have someone coming up later that I have a... I have another stat. John, I have three stats today that are going to blow some people's minds. Love so it. proud. So proud. But, so, Natani Muti, basically, sum him up, looks like the character that The Rock plays in Muhana. I cannot think of his name. <laughs> he is as strong as him. He's able to lift people up. He's He usually picks up about two defensive tackles at once, one hand, one hand, puts them on the ground, pancake block every single time. No. But he only allowed 14 pressures on 700 pass blocking snaps for his career. That's very impressive. That's super impressive. Pass blocking, his power, if he stays healthy, surefire better than Quentin Nelson guard. I will say that right now. If he stays healthy, that's a big if. Like no injuries happen, goes to the right system. When I say right system, I mean he doesn't go to the Bengals, doesn't go to the Dolphins. I think he will instantly be on Quentin Nelson's level. Hmm. Bold take. Yeah, that is a bit of a bold take. I don't think uh, Quentin Nelson's special. I don't think um, uh, I don't think there's any guard in this class that's you know worth um, that's that's equal to him. That's for sure. So, but uh, yeah, he is. but it's but yeah, I mean, you make a you know you make a good point. When he was uh, you know, if not for the health issues, I think he I think he'd be an easy guy to slot at number one um, as far as interior linemen go. Um, so uh, you had uh, Muti at number three. My number three is actually Nick Harris uh, from Washington. Um, Ooh. So he is uh, 6'1", 293. Um, and that really is the only weakness. Um, he is, you know, he's under 300 pounds, and he's not the longest guy in the world. Um, but then again, you know, they don't really ask guards to be, um, you know, they don't, ne- you don't necessarily need to be very long. Obviously, if you were, you'd probably be a tackle. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he basically just, you know, just if he gets a little bit bigger, um, I, I don't really think he's going to have much of a weakness. Now, this isn't a guy that is, um, let's see, I, I guess he, the, the best way to describe Harris is that he is incredibly solid he's just really good at everything he does um so you know smart uh great technique very sound you know he's not a real risky guy he does he doesn't reach and miss a lot um you know he is strong enough despite being you know a little smaller um you know powerful guy you know so he's going to be able to 
Uh, run blocking wise, uh, he's going he's not a mauler per se, but he's definitely going to be able to get off the ball and move people when he needs to. Um, and then, uh, hands are fantastic, which is really nice, uh, balance as well. So this is a guy that, um, is, he's not going to get tossed around a lot. He's just, some people just have that sort of natural leverage. Um, and this is, that's Nick Harris. So, um, you know, Jackson and Biotish are, I think, just more elite as far as, um, you know, maybe physical talent, just raw, you know, talent goes. Um, but where Nick Harris lacks in, you know, size, he makes up with, you know, basically everything else. So he's just a, he's a really, really solid guy. He's just a guy that, you know, as soon as he's drafted, you're going to be able to plug him in immediately and, um, you know, just not have to worry too much about, you know, he doesn't have to be coached up technique wise, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, he'll really, he'll improve some offensive line almost instantly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's my number three. Um, moving into, uh, my number four is where I had Natani Muti. Um, and basically same thing. Uh, if not for the injuries, you know, he'd be an easy guy to slot at number one, like we said, but, um, you know, the Achilles, the shoulder injury, things like that. Um, this is definitely a guy that someone's going to take a chance on and probably be right to do so. Um, whether he's, you know, I, even though I have him ranked at four, I would be shocked if he isn't, you know, in the top three, as far as, you know, guards, centers, uh, interior offensive linemen taken. So, um, where I think maybe Harris is just a little bit safer because of, uh, the lack of injury history. I mean, there's no, no one would argue that Harris is a f- better physical player uh, than Muti. So just injury history uh, moves him down my board a little bit, but that's basically it. Otherwise, you know, incredible talent. And like you said, as he has the, uh, uh, the snaps and the uh, lack of pressures uh, to, to match. So really incredible guy. But uh, yeah, just injury stuff scares me a little bit. That's all. Don't disagree with anything you said there. Pretty much the same as me. Injuries can be a bitch when you're trying to get drafted in the NFL. Ah, uh, I'll, you know, I'll go. In real go quick ahead. though, but in his case, it you, this is the kind of guy where he you might just get a super discount, right? Like like we said, he'd he'd be number one in the interior uh, offensive lineman if not for the injuries. So. You know, some GM is going to take a chance and they're going to get a discount on a guy that should have gone higher. And if those injuries are just weird fluke things that happen in college, I mean, what a discount you're going to get on a phenomenal player. So um, that would be real. That's going to be really cool. Hopefully he can't stay healthy because, I mean, obviously we don't root for injuries, but man, it'd be really cool to see him, um, you know, get over that and really perform in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, At my number four. I had Damian Lewis of LSU. I have Damian Lewis of LSU. Um, see, unlike John's number three, I picked a beefcake for my guard. 6'3", 330 pounds. Uh, Damian Lewis would eat Nick Harris. Um, he, and when I say, like, if you look at Damian Harris, like, 330 pounds, you're like, okay. He looks like he's about 700 pounds. I mean, this man is a monster i actually um i looked at their schedule saw they played auburn so i watched that auburn lsu game and i mean it was it was okay i got it i i don't i I, okay is an understatement like 
you know, Derek Brown and then like my number four guard um, going into that game, I was like, all right, this is about to be like, I don't know if Chase Young played Andrew Thomas or whoever I might have at number one. But so I was expecting like this huge explosion of fireworks and stuff. And it was just like, and this is good for Damian Lewis and Derek Brown, but it was just like boring because it was so steady. Damian Lewis lost a couple times. Derek Brown bested him. I mean, the best defensive tackle in the draft. Um, but for the most part, Damian Lewis just held up with Derek Brown, this monster of a man that, you know, is m- might come into the league and be the next Fletcher Cox. And Damian Lewis was just, yeah, all right, I got you. And I don't know what I expected. I don't know if I expected a sack and then Damian Lewis got pissed, pancake block. But, like, it was a super good game. If you want to watch a game, I'd go watch that one. It shows his weaknesses and his strength, you know. He doesn't have any weakness that stands out a lot. He's just a big dude. He moves pretty well for his side, though. Uh, and you can't move him, like, straight up. you got to go around him, which in the NFL, you have good guard play if he's your center. Um, it's perfect. If he's your guard, it, it gets scary if, you know, they start rushing between the tackle and the guard and tackle. Anyway, I'm just going to keep rambling on. But Perfect. Damian Lewis, my four guard. All of this is subject to change after the combine, by the way. But right now, Damian Lewis sits in my fourth guard, and I'm, I'm, love it. I, yeah, I like that. Uh, who you got at number five? Oh, sorry. Was no, you're my, good. Drinking my kombucha. You gotta Stay get, you gotta get fueled up for the podcast, baby. Active cultures makes you shit, basically. Um, oh. so <laughs> my number five guard. Right. is Calvin Throckmorton, which if you watched college football this year, you're like, hey, dumbass, he's a right tackle. Well, thank you for calling me that nice name. I, and almost, okay, forget what I think. Like, who gives a damn? NFL executives say he's going to slide into guard. And his pass blocking grades the past three years have been a 90, an 87, and a 90. He... Is he's good? I I I don't really know. Like he's just I keep saying the word boring. He's just like this boring prospect. He's like Damian Lewis. He doesn't do anything that you you know with Jonah Jackson. Wow, he literally never gives up anything. Tyler Biotish. It's like wow, he can really run block against any defender in college football right now. Natani Moody is like. That dude can literally pick up a semi-truck. Damian Lewis and Calvin Throckmorton are just like, hey, plug me in. I'll play. I'll let up three sacks a year. You won't have any complaints out of me. Two sacks a year, maybe. Like, I just really like both of them. Damian Lewis in in LSU, the SEC, you're obviously more comfortable taking him. That's why I have him above Throckmorton. And a shift in is, you know, it's always scary, but he's only taken one snap at guard in his entire life, and he's playing in the pack 12 which, you know, when you think of elite defensive linemen, you don't instantly go to the pack 12 So that's my that's my last, that's my fifth guy, and then I'll let you talk about your fifth guy. Then I actually have a sleeper pick who I am really high on. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, with regards to uh, Throckmorton, um, 
he's I mean, he played uh everywhere on the offensive line. I mean, like you said, he took that one snap at guard, but you know, he's played everywhere else. So um you know, if they, if anyone's going to move around, you know, move slide inside, you know, from tackle, then I mean, it seems like he's definitely the guy that could do it because he's, you know, he's done it. He's already played, you know, other positions, so should hopefully be a smooth transition for him. Um, and then your uh, <clears throat> Damian Lewis pick. Um, I, I mean, I didn't have him in my top five, but he he and Caesar Ruiz are like tied for sixth. I mean, they're right there. So. Um, just so you know, I, you know, that's not going to talk about him, but just, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. And I don't think, I think that's a really, really good um, pick. And you were right. The LSU Auburn game, I mean, just turn it on and focus in on the uh, offensive defensive line and just watch those two go at it. It's just, it's just incredible. So both, yeah. um, you know, both won in spots, but yeah, I mean, just really, really great. Um, okay. So my number five is going to be Lloyd uh, Cushenberry from LSU. Um, so, uh, Cushenberry, he's a big boy, uh, 6'3", 312. Um, so this is another center, um, not as good as Biotish, obviously, which is why I have it ranked slightly lower, but, um, athletic, uh, as hell. And which is impressive, obviously for, you know, anybody, but 6'3", 312, you know, guys typically don't move like this. Um, and it's interesting because the typically the more athletic you are, you know that those guys tend to play guard when they're this kind of size, and you could you could play either center or um, guard because um, obviously there's a lot more pulling from the guard position than the center position. But he's going to give you the uh, ability to um, you know have all kinds of exotic run calls where you can pull the center, which you know pretty cool to have that kind of versatility um, in your uh, in your center. Um, the cons, um, definitely raw technique is, you know, okay, not phenomenal. He's definitely not a, um, you know, you wouldn't put up his tape and say, okay, watch this and you'll learn how to play center. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to his ability and his um, upside is that he, he is this good without perfect technique. Um, so definitely going to be, uh, need some coaching, things like that. Um he is someone that, so he, he will tend to, he will lunge at times. Um, so you're going to catch him in off positions where he's kind of leaning forward. And, you know, obviously that, that position in the NFL, you're dead because they'll just put, they'll yank you forward and then you're done. So you're just laying, you know, on your stomach, facing the dirt and your quarterback's dead behind you. So, um, so, you know, like I, I need said, the 25,000 quarterbacks of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just technique issues. Otherwise, you know, athleticism is off the charts. Really, really good. We'll see. I'm excited about the combine to see how he tests. Um, you know, may, maybe, uh, and if Muti as well, if Muti's going to test, um, you know, maybe it ends up where uh, Jackson, Biadish, Muti, and Cushenberry are top four, and we slide. I, I'd slide Harris down to five, uh, just knowing what he is. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see at the combine. Um, but definitely interesting guy. Uh, play obviously played at LSU, played in big games and stuff like that. So nothing to worry about there. But um, yeah, who is the uh, who's the sleeper you got? Bum, 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 bum. Are you ready? My sleeper is the one and only Matt Hennessy, and I did not pick that just because I need a forty of Henny right now. That <laughs> would be nice. But 
All right. Here's my spiel with Matt Hennessy. If you haven't watched him, people, I'm not surprised. He went to Temple. But I would highly advise you to watch him. I'm going to give you a little rundown of him after I drink a drink of my kombucha. All right. He's 6'4", 295 pounds, and right there, that is the biggest problem. He's only 295 pounds. But he looks like he can gain more weight. Like, he's just got one of those bodies. John was talking earlier about being able – that might have been before we were recording. I don't really know yet. I think it was. We were talking about tackles. Mekhi Becton. Anyway, John was talking about how, you know, these guys are young. Some of these guys' bodies just look like they can add more weight. So he looks like he can get up in that 310 – range which is safe 310 320 range so he's only two-star recruit coming out of high school he chose temple he was a two-star recruit (laughs) that's why you go to temple um so these are his stats the last three years at temple so this is a lot like jonah jackson in my opinion he had 478 pass block snaps in 2017 one sack zero hits seven hurries the next year, 400 pass block snaps, zero sacks, zero hits, two hurries. Wow. The next year, this year, this previous football year, 500 pass block snaps, zero sacks, one hit, three hurries. Wow. So you're probably thinking, well, why? why, why is this guy not being talked about in the first round pick? Well, I know I keep saying this. But if you're looking for an outside zone center, he's a center, by the way. He is the best in this draft. I will I will fight people with this. He's better than Biotish at this. Best center in the draft at pulling and making plays outside of outside of the whatever whatever you want to call it the tackle to tackle. All right, he's great in space. Now. I could be putting my foot in my mouth because obviously it could be Biotis is playing the Big Ten and he's playing in the, what are they in, the Coastal? What uh, are they? American Athletic. American Athletic. Yeah. Of course, the AAC. ACC's yep. little brother that nobody likes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the other thing, which there's a tackle that I really enjoyed watching do this, his ability to like pass on a block, like, was tremendous, and I only watched two games. But his ability to pass off the block was ridiculous. And his balance is almost right as good as Jonah Jackson. There was a play. He was holding a block in a full-on sprint. I'm not, like, not kidding. Now, I said a lot of good things. There are some really bad things. Uh-huh. Why he's asleep. He's got a slight build, obviously. You know, he's not going to be able – he's not a Kansas City offensive guard. He's just not. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry is a Kansas City offensive lineman. A big old boy that can just sit there and duke it out, all right? But uh, the level of competition he played, poor. Um, Where am I? Sorry, I'm reading my list. Um. So he they would full slide their offensive line a lot. He didn't get a lot of one on ones, like barely any at all that I saw. Um, you know, but when he did, he usually had two guys coming off of him, and like I said earlier, he was able to pass them off. I'm almost done, so you guys can quit hearing me. Yeah, but 
when he was in space not pulling so like if he if the linebacker got past um the defensive line he's up into the second the third level he didn't look very good if he didn't have an exact job or someone to block like uh, john does that make any sense what i'm trying to say uh yes so like when he was pulling or you know when they would outside they would do the outside zone so they would all shift over to the left or the right or he's pulling he looked fantastic like he was able to block well in a sprint he wasn't missing blocks but when he was just running up the field he looked super unathletic and that basically his athleticism is the only thing that scares you outside of the lack of tendency in the small frame but i mean the last thing I'll say about him is his run blocking grade was an 87.6, which was about the the baseline's about 50. That's about the average. Well, I'd say 60 because they take in everyone. So like even if you got like a 30 because you only played 12 snaps. So 65 is a player that'll never get to the NFLish. He was an 87. Pass block was an 81. Zone grade was an 86. Gap grade was a 70. True pass sets, 76. So, like, I know you guys can't see the thing I'm looking at. I will post it um, in an article, hopefully, that I might write up about him. But he is way above the NCAA average and even the average of draft-eligible guards and centers. So, Matt Hennessy, write that name down. You're going to be hearing about him in two years. M-A-T-T-H-E-N. Hold on, I'm writing it down. All right. Got it. Okay, got it written down. Thank you. And my next sleeper is Natural Light. He plays oh. for every college in America. Uh, yeah. He's super cheap. Yep. Show you a good time. Absolutely. And he'll make you feel like fuck. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> next morning you'll wish you were dead. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, sorry, Dad, big, if you're hearing that. I meant Bush Light. Big sleeper. Ooh. <laughs> Going against the – see, we all have our own personal rankings. I'm going you know? up against the family uh, family tradition. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my sleeper pick. John, do you have any sleeper pick you want to talk about? You know, no, um, I don't. I was going through, and uh, this is definitely the position, the interior offensive line, where um, I've probably had the least amount of exposure so far. So just came wanted to come up with a top five. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I think definitely after the combine – um, we'll start to get into maybe, uh, you know, a couple, maybe get into a top 10 and then have, uh, you know, a sleeper or two, something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm good. We can move on to, uh, tackles if you're ready. Perfect. I will. Um, I am on Twitter right now, people getting complained about, cause I said the Cavs have been good post LeBron cleaning up a basically nuclear wasteland, but people don't want to know that I had someone bitch me out for being an idiot and then followed me after doing that. Don't be that. Don't be that troll. Anyway, on to the tackles. I need some protection from these clowns. Look at how that transferred over. So, I'm going to call on Georgia left tackle Andrew. I wish he had a middle name that I knew. Thomas. So, Andrew Thomas was the consensus number one tackle. Like, oh my God, he's the next thing. And then all of a sudden, lately, it's he's been like dropping on mock boards. Um, experts are kind of like going off on them. Uh, uh, don't overthink it, people. Don't overthink it. Stay off the weed. 
outside of Andrew Thomas's feet being outside of his feet not being like perfectly technically sound and pass protection. Yeah. Outside of that, John, I could not find a single flaw watching him play. Now, Isaiah Wilson, his counterpart, I saw a lot of flaws. But he's jumping up draft boards for whatever goddamn reason. Um but Andrew Thomas had a 92 PFF overall grade, which is the highest of any tackle prospect. John, I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were going to take that. I already had that in my notes. I'm just now realizing that you said that to me before the show, too. No, good. You're good. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, that's that's just, like, it's just a simple fact of, okay, you watch the tape, fantastic. You look at the stats, he's fantastic. You look at the biggest analyst group that grades NFL players and college players, fantastic. Don't overthink it. Plug and play right away. Best offensive lineman in this draft. Yeah, it's uh, I totally agree. Th- these are guys like this are the guys you you just you know you hope to God you're in the in the top ten of the NFL draft and you need a tackle. This is the guy you're hoping is coming out that year. You know, like some years you don't have, you know, this kind of a guy available. There's just a bunch of, okay, well, they're all pretty good, but nobody's like elite. Like Thomas is elite. Um, like you said, uh, feats can be an issue. And, you know, sometimes they're, you know, he, he technique wise with his feet, he's not the best. You know, they don't match his eyes and his hands. It's not all synced up all the time. But, you know, 6'5, 320. I mean, this guy is just fantastic. So he, for sure, I think should be the first tackle off the board. And I, I, I know what you're saying about the uh, mock drafts. Um, I have been surprised by that seeing, you know, wills go before, um, you know, just this one that pro football focus posted the other day, they've got uh, the giants taking wills uh, number four overall and Thomas falling to the Cardinals at eight. So, I mean, I don't know personally, like, you know, I also have Thomas ranked number one, and so if I'm the Cardinals and I'm watching some other tackle go off the board and then we get to take, you know, the number one guy at number eight, I mean, I'm thrilled. So, yep, absolutely. This is the um, only player in the draft I would trade up for. Interesting. As, as a Browns player, as a Browns fan, as a Browns organization. Okay. And honestly, I'm going to go one step further. Outside of Chase Young, it's the only other player. Like Chase Young, Andrew Thomas are the only two players in this draft I would trade up for, including Joe Burrow. Reason being, people are going to start thinking I hate Joe Burrow. Quarterbacks are such an uncertain thing. Like Everyone thought Sam Darnold was going to be it. Everybody thought um, Josh Rosen was going to be it. That's just the, That's just from the last two drafts. Like, Quarterback is uncertain. Joe Burrow will likely be very good in the NFL. But Andrew Thomas, I watch him, and he's just one of those guys where I'm like, all right, put him in. Give. I'm not going to go there. I almost compared him to a different Thomas. That would be disrespectful. Mm, no. But, like, no. that's the kind of thing you see from him. Great anchor, great mobility, doesn't smack talk. You know, he gets a pancake, he gets up, he does his thing. Like, he. He plays like Joe Thomas. Not their their style is different. Obviously, they're different body styles. 
And actually, Thomas is uh, Andrew Thomas is probably a better run blocker than Joe Thomas ever was. That was always yep. the one thing that you were like, eh, he's you know best pass blocker in you know Andrew one Thomas of the best is pass blocking tackles ever, but not yeah. a run blocker. Andrew Thomas is naturally big, whereas now you're seeing it with the way Joe looks. Like, if you've ever watched it, um, he has like a short thing on YouTube. Joe Thomas used to have to eat a loaf of bread a day peanut butter and sandwiches, but it was a whole loaf of bread a day and a gallon of milk throughout the day, school day. Like, he is not naturally that size. Right. You look at him now, he is a natural, like, athletic build. Andrew Thomas is a big sucker. He ain't eating no loaf of bread to make him look like that. So No, you're right. That's Good point. That's my number one tackle, John's number one tackle. But, John, who's your second? I don't know if we agree on this one. So, and we don't, and uh... – this is why uh, my number two guys, the reason why if I were the Browns, I would not trade up for Andrew Thomas. Um, even though I do think technically speaking, he is the number one tackle in this draft. Um, if I were the Browns and I was definitely going to take a tackle and all of them were on the board at number 10, say no tackles had come off yet. I would take Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Um and there's one simple reason why I would do that. Uh, well, first of all, let's get Werfs' uh, measurements here. So 6'5", 322. Um, all these guys at the top, uh, Werfs and Thomas and Wills, are just about the same size, basically. So they're all about 6'5", 320. Um, the, if I'm Kevin Stefanski and I am you know, going to implement, uh, you know, outside zone, um, you know, play action, you know, I, I know what my offense is. I need, I want this guy. I want Werfs. Werfs is incredibly athletic. Um, and, you know, from a standpoint where I'm going to need the line to be, you know, sliding, moving, um, you know, I need my tackle to just be uh, able to to move um, a ton because that's what kind of you know running and passing scheme I'm going to implement, um, and that's the reason Worfs to me is the better athlete and he's a better mover, and I think this is you know it's scheme specific obviously like I said I, I Thomas if I, anybody who has Thomas ranked number one I, I I'm not going to argue with that I think technically he's better, but Worfs fits what the Browns want to do um, just better. And like I said, because of his, you know, ability to move like that, um, just think about the average, you know, let's say power running team, right? Where you're just hitting gaps and it's a lot of, you know, pin pull and kind of normal sort of what you, you know, what you expect to see from sort of a normal uh, rushing offense. You know, those, the tackles are, you know, you're run blocking and you're pass blocking, but there's not a lot of side to side movement. Um, when you're running wide zone, things like that, the tackles are running a ton. I mean, you're going to just, if you just could like, you know, the, the, the chip in his shoulder pads, that's going to tell you, you know, how far he ran uh, in any one game, a guy like Werfs is going to run like four times as much as a standard tackle and he's capable of it. And that's what I love about him is that he is going to be able, you know, to do that. He, Iowa runs a ton of wide zone. That is their offense. And so this guy has been doing that, you know, in college, uh, the past three years. And so, you know, he's going to, if, if the Browns do decide to take a tackle at 10 and they go with Werfs, I mean, 
you you won't have to barely teach him a thing. I mean, he's just going to come in and he's already equipped to 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 play tackle in that offense. Um, and just to boot, uh, he broke all of um, Brandon Scherf's uh, weightlifting records at Iowa, which so obviously he's incredible strong. The last thing I'm going to say about Wirfs is this. I have seen a couple people here and there say, uh, oh, we like Wirfs, but he's probably going to be a guard in the NFL. And I I understand where they're coming from, but I think that's somewhat lazy, simple analysis. And here's the reason why. Um, there is this magic number with arm length for linemen, and it's 33 inches. And essentially, if your arms are longer than 33 inches, you can be a tackle. And if they're not, you can't. <laughs> and it's that simple. And so this was the same thing with Jonah Williams last year. So... They loved him as a tackle prospect, but he didn't have the longest arms. And so it was just, okay, well, you know, he must be a guy that we have to put inside and hide him. And I don't, Cincinnati, obviously he got hurt last year and we don't, we haven't seen him play yet, but I don't think Cincinnati's going to do that. And I don't think that Wirfs um, needs to play guard. I don't think he's a liability or anything like that, even though he's not the longest guy. It just, his strength and his athleticism makes up for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, if I were the Browns and all the tackles were on the board and I was definitely taking one at 10, I'm taking Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs. Hang oh. clean. Four reps. 450 pounds. <laughs> the world record for that weight class is 582 for one. Whew. What Holy the smokes. hell? Holy smokes. Uh, there's probably a lot of people listening that have never tried to hang power clean. Uh, that's fine. If you don't do it right, you will literally mess up your shoulder to the point where it is un. John knows this different injury, but like unbearable to sit, to stand, to lay down. Like that's the kind of precision it takes to do these lifts. Uh-huh. He's doing 450 pounds for four. <sighs> Good on YouTube insane. right now. Look up a hang power clean people. You'll poop your pants. Like, this uh, this dude's hang cleaning half of, like, one-third of a pretty small, like, foreign car. It's it's ridiculous. I'm not going to add anything more about him because we're, like, we're kind of running long. I thought you said everything about him. And I'm going to talk about my number two guy, Jedrick Wills. So, just like Worfs, he is a right tackle. Left tackle, right tackle, like they're kind of becoming equal parts in the NFL. In college, it still is kind of, you know, left tackle dominant. Anyway, if you are a run dominant team, Jedrick Wills is literally a godsend. And I use that word literally very, very seldomly. I hate it. Literally, <laughs> like, oh my God. I hate when people say like as well. But Jedrick Wills. Literally a godsend for anyone that wants to run the ball. 90 PFF run blocking grade in the SEC is ridiculous. And outside of that, the only thing I'm going to say about Jedrick Wills is wait until the combine. This man will break records left and right at the combine. I'm guaranteeing it right now. Oh, can't wait. The most athletic lineman I've ever watched. 
I've ever watched. And like it doesn't pop off when you're just watching a game casually. Then you go back and look and it's like, oh, wow. But yeah, that's yeah. my number two. I had Worfs at three. Okay. But like um, John said, it's very dependent on your situation as an NFL team. So that's very true. Why don't you touch on uh, what you what do you like about Worfs? I like how smooth he is. While like while being one of the strongest players in college football, he's also one of the most smooth, which is so con so it's they're so contradicting that it just blows my mind. If you go watch him play, he's smooth, he's patient, and he just doesn't look like this monster of a man until you know, he has to. But until then he's just smooth and patient and level headed and it's beautiful to watch. He's gonna be great in the NFL. He yep. is out of Thomas, Wirfs, and Wills, he's the most well-rounded of the three. Agreed. That's yeah. a good point. Um, and probably the, le- the least amount of weaknesses uh, as well. Like there's just – I don't think – the other guys have little things you might want to fix. Um, but, yeah. the um, So my number three is Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Um, and simply put, he he's a right tackle. Um, you know, I, I – you know, he's – he's going to be asked to play left tackle, uh, in the NFL. And I'm sure of it. That's, you know, he's mocked in the, that not only in the first round, but very high, obviously, like we just said, they, um, pro football focuses last one had the giants taken wills at number four overall. So, and, you know, athleticism is definitely in his corner. Um, but like he, his pass protection, it's, you know, it needs work. Um, and he, like I said, he's a right tackle. So I don't know. Like, can you? I just can't imagine spending the fourth overall pick, you know, and then telling the guy to switch positions. And I, for for those of you that are thinking, well, he's just switching from right to left side. Like, what does it matter? It's the same position. Look, it, it's not okay. And you like, we need to be very clear about that. Um, you know playing like will linebacker you know weak side linebacker versus you know mike or sam it's yeah you're linebacker but it's very different and you know that's not transitional some guys can play that some guys can't i mean for some guys you know maybe for wills um you know being on the right side of the line you know he's got his right foot back further you know he's just he, even something as simple as that now he's going to line up on the left and he's got to have his right foot forward and his left foot back and there's a comfortability issue with that. Like you, you need to get used to doing that. You need to get used to seeing, uh, you know, being attacked, you know, on your left eye as opposed to your right eye. Um, you know, your hand placement changes slightly. I mean, it's a mirror opposite. So just imagine learning something and then learning how to do it like the exact opposite way. It's not easy. So, you know, Wills is fantastic, and like we said, there's a lot to like about him, but I just – I cannot imagine spending the fourth overall pick on a guy that you are going to say, hey, you know, welcome aboard, now switch your position. I mean, that's that's lunacy to me. But it does make sense why uh, Pro Football Focus would have him going to the Giants and Dave Gettleman because if there's a stupid thing to do in the draft, to leave Dave Gettleman will do it. That's for sure. So ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, so – that's my number three. Um, my number four is a guy that is flying up boards and for great reason, too. Um, so I've got Josh Jones. From hey, Houston. we agree. Yeah, I mean, this guy, 
is like I said, flying up boards, um, uh, six, five, three, 10. He probably about a month, month and a half ago, if you looked, he would have been like the, one of the first tackles off the board in the second round, maybe, maybe late first. Um, I'll, I would say he's going to go in the top 20, top 22 picks somewhere in there. Uh, once you get past Thomas Wirfs, Wills, uh, this guy stands out big time. Um, the, you know, physical, uh, traits are incredible. Um, and what's it called? This guy, if Wirfs leaves you questioning his length, uh, this guy has it. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. He's, he's, he's built like a tackle. And, you know, this is a guy, when you look at him, you don't have to guess what position he plays, you know, right away. You're like, that's a tackle. I know what a tackle looks like. And this, he looks like him. Um, the, this is the classic case and, you know, obviously why he's not in the top three, you know, according to, you know, me, you, and basically everybody else who is ranking tackles. Um, the, this is the classic case of the guy who has all the physical attributes, but is, uh, needs to learn the position. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, technique wise, the, the little things that separate guys like Thomas and Wirfs and Wills, this guy doesn't have it yet. Um, so, you know, an abundance of talent uh, without necessarily being the most technically sound guy. Um, you, you hear this stuff a lot. The, you know, with tackles, you want their eyes and their hands and their feet to line up, to match up. They're all in sync. And Jones is, uh, he just, he doesn't do it. There are plenty of snaps where you look and see, okay, his looks like his feet are doing one thing and his hands are doing another um, so he definitely has work to do despite the fact that he is not technically really sound. Um, the, the PFF had him graded at a 93.2 overall Ooh. last season, mm -hmm. which the highest grade of any of the draft eligible tackles. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this guy, um, if he were to fall to the second round, I mean, some team gobble him up because if you have a coach, if your old line coach is, is a technique guy and can, can really instill, um, you know, some just, you know, skills uh, that he needs to learn, then you're going to be thrilled. This is a guy who could end up being, you know, one of the top, one of the best guys in the class if he can learn the position and is given the time uh, and the proper coaching for it. So, yep, that's my number four, Josh Jones from Houston. I'm going to add one thing to Josh Jones because I Beautiful. agree with everything you said. He's your he's your number four as well, correct? Josh Jones is my number four. All right. Two things, actually. One, he's a left tackle, which is nice. Yep. Two, he won 54% of his one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl. It was by far the highest out of any draft-eligible tackle. Amazing. Yeah, so that's something. Now, of course... All these guys aren't at the Senior Bowl, but it's it is impressive. That's that's super exciting. His pass blocking skills need improvement, but he's improved every single year so far. And his hands are so damn good; they don't need anything. So, number five, it's going to be very against the grain, but I guarantee you. Up until the combine, after the combine, this guy might drop again because I don't think he's going to perform well. But up to the combine, this guy's going to start taking over as the best Auburn tackle. We aren't talking, John. I need you to say Prince's name because I don't remember how to pronounce it. 
We are not talking about Prince uh, Tega Wanogo. We are not talking about Prince Tega Wanogo. You guys didn't hear that. We're talking <laughs> about his counterpart and right tackle, Jack Driscoll. Okay. He's had four straight seasons above an 80 PFF grade blocking. Three of those were at UMass. So that scares you. But then he came to the SEC and he said, watch me. Did it again. Best grade ever. He shut down Greenlaw from Florida. Oh, Travis Greenlaw, yeah. Phenomenal game to watch. Like, that one was fun to watch, unlike the LSU-Auburn inside interior offensive lineman. Like, this one was crazy. However, my favorite game I watched was the Georgia game. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of what happened. They sent linebackers. They sent they sent defensive tackles on stunts. Anything they did, edge, linebacker, defensive tackle, he handled it gracefully. They tried to beat him off the edge with speed. His first step back, oh, my gosh. John, if you go watch this game, I'm telling you, this Georgia game, you'll wa- you'll see, and this one's on YouTube for anyone to go watch. It's just Auburn's offense versus um, Georgia's defense. You're just like, holy crap. So fast getting off the line. But then you go watch him run. He looks like his feet are in concrete. So that scares me. But he didn't have any problem stopping speed off the edge. Um, No one was able to bend around him. Nobody was able to bull rush him. Not even close. And there were seven or eight times they tried to stunt on him and the right guard. I don't know who the right guard is. To be honest, he's draft eligible because their whole line except for their senior, their whole line except for their center was seniors. But he caught he he came in with the edge. So he's on the right tackle. So the edge brought him in a little bit, stepped to the left. He pushed the edge, knocked him off balance so the right guard could get to him, and then got his momentum going back to the right to get the defensive tackle stunning around. I don't know if that was a good description at all for you guys. I was doing hand motions to move the players on my desk but well which in, in a podcast is what you always want to do for sure <laughs> it's, it's a visual medium so definitely <laughs> it was keep, uh keep talking like my italian grandfather <laughs> it was seriously beautiful game though jack driscoll is my number five tackle right now which ah uh, that's not going to get a lot of love i know it isn't but sticking to it for now till the combine Combine would definitely change that more than you think. I bet that's for sure. Um, I don't. I don't have him too far, too much further down. So um, my number five is Makai Becton from Louisville. Um, this guy, holy smokes! Go just uh, Google Makai Becton. Or go to YouTube and look him up, and you it won't take long till you find a couple of videos of him. I mean, he just is tossing dudes. I mean, this guy incredible um six seven 370 pounds so he's just incredible i mean sizes you know everything that's unbelievable um the and the what stands out with him is that he is uh incredibly smooth for how big he is um doesn't look like he's lumbering you know laboring things like that his feet aren't a liability um you know he's 
he's incredible uh, as far as, um, you know, being uh, athletic for his size, obviously. Um, the, this guy, his extension, well, first of all, his reach is obviously incredible because he's so big. But the uh, his punch, when he goes to punch, you know, the rush, you know, DN, whoever it is, I mean, he can just stop you in your tracks. So just massive arms, massive hands, and just, you know, an incredible guy with, uh, as far as the, the power goes. Um, when it's probably his, well, two things within are an issue with him. So the, he's not always consistent with the punch placement. So blocking wise, um, this is not something that he's going to be, uh, you know, he doesn't, he isn't, he, it's not the cleanest when it comes to, you know, putting together tape. Um, but I think the reason this is, and this is the other downside is that, and I've never, this is so bizarre. Louisville would flip him from left to right tackle based on the strength of the play. So this guy, you know, you break the huddle and if it's, you know, whatever power, right, strong, right, he goes to play right tackle. And then on the next play, he's playing left tackle. And I just think that he, it, the reason he's graded here, because like I said, because his size is incredible and he's just so strong. Um, it's that they, I think they just stunted his growth basically um, just from having him flip-flop, you know, play to play. So I think once you get him in a consistent setting where, you know, he's taking snaps from one side of the ball or the other, and most likely left tackle, this is, a, you know, you sticking this guy in the right would just be a, a waste. Um, so once he gets consistent snaps on the left and he, you know, gets to really get comfortable, um, I, I think he can settle in. And if this guy ends up being, you know, maybe the, you know, third, fourth best tackle in this draft, I would not be shocked at all. Um, he just, you know, like I said, needs a little time to develop and make sure that he gets more consistent. But yeah, uh, incredible guy. And just like I said, really go to YouTube and watch him. He's fun to watch. He just, he looks like. Watch his high school basketball highlights. Oh, really? Yeah, state champion. Oh, my God. Crazy even center. better. I mean, wow. Beautiful footwork. John, I hate to do this to you, but I'm about to give you a stat that's going to just send Mackay Becton all the way down to like 50th on your Ooh. guard tackle Ooh. list. No, you drop him off the list. What you got? So, Mackay Becton's still my seventh overall prospect. Okay. Obviously, I think the combine might. I might fall victim to recency bias after the combine being like, okay, 6'7", 370 pounds, and he just ran a – I don't know what he's going to run, but he's going to run a fast 40. He's okay. going to be up – I think he's going to be up there for tackles in the 40. Okay. Um, He's going to bench out of the world. He's going to jump out of this world for his size. We're all – he's 6'7", 400 pounds, people. Some break. He looks like Mark Henry, any WWE fans out there. That's what he's built like. All right. Lots of good things about Mackay Becton. Speed. Um, strength. It's all there. John talked about it. He had, this year, 66 true pass-blocking snaps. That's terribly low. Terribly low, which is not his really fault. Low. That is not his fault. But what is his fault? And I haven't gone back and watched every game, but, you know, PFF does this pretty well. They do. Don't give the guard a hurry if, you know, it's completely on the quarterback. And I don't remember the rule, but, like, you know, if the quarterback sits in the pocket for 
a certain amount of seconds. They they do something so it's not just ruled like a doesn't look bad on the line. If that okay. makes any sense. He had sixty six. Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs both had over one hundred sixty. True pass blocking snaps. And Becton still allowed more pressures. In the ACC comparative to the Big Ten and the SEC. Wow. That's terrifying. Wow. It's terrifying. But if you have Becton anywhere from seven through four, I'm honestly not. I wouldn't be surprised. If you have him anywhere from three to eight, honestly, it's it's you can hear an argument for him. Because part of the draft process, John, you know this, is potential. You don't just draft what you – because if you draft what you see in college, you know, all these Clemson and Alabama left guard, right guard, center, left tackle, right tackle, they'd be drafted in the first round because they all play ridiculously well in college. Mackay Becton's potential is is something that we've never seen an athlete like this. We just haven't. I mean, watching him play is – I don't know. John, personally, I've never seen an athlete like this. Like, he just doesn't look 370 pounds. He does not move. He moves like he's 270. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe even less than 270, honestly. With Becton, go watch his tape and go watch his high school basketball tape on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. (sighs) All right. You want me to move on to my sixth? Uh, I got number six. Let me go first. Okay. So uh, this is going to be Lucas Niang uh, from TCU. So this is another guy with some size here, 6'7", 328. He is literally um, an oak tree. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's a really, really good way to describe him. Um, so reaching-wise, obviously, uh, you know, size, length. Uh, so he's going to be able to, you know, keep people, you know, keep the defender from getting into his chest. Uh, and really gaining control of him. Um, so had a, uh, had a hip injury. Um, and so that's one of the things you might read about him is that stiff hips, but that probably is most likely due to the injury. So I don't think that's necessarily something to be overly concerned with. Although, you know, it, I guess it's a tiny, you know, maybe you just make a little tiny note saying, uh, okay, well, let's just make sure, um, that this isn't, uh, you know, an issue obviously, but, um, but yeah, so PFF has him uh, at on a thousand twenty-seven pass blocking snaps in his career. Uh, Niang allowed thirty-two pressures, so almost none, basically. Um, and you know, just a fantastic guy as far as size, speed. Um, there aren't too many. Uh, I guess there aren't too many uh, downsides with him. Um, I mean. I guess the the pass blocking might leave a little to be desired, although it just said that, you know, his uh, what's called, he only allowed 32 pressures. So, um, but yeah, I think he's going to be someone who's really comfortable in a run blocking offense. And then there might be, you know, times when you look at him going, okay, we definitely have to bring him along with, um, you know, pass blocking stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just, fantastic uh you know size speed specimen things like that so just like we have i have him at number six he's just outside the top five and you know could could sneak in with um you know a couple improvements to uh technique and things like that yeah so i have lucas niang a 
And that okay. is only because of his injuries. Yep. Yeah, on his his pass blocking snaps and pressure per pass blocking snap is ridiculous. I mean, that's just he's phenomenal. He is a phenomenal player. You can't bull rush him. You can't get around him. He's he's absolutely great. Just injuries for me. A hip injury terrifies me. So that, but you know, I can see Niang being in the top five for tackles taken in the draft. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I don't have an argument. I don't have an argument or anything to add, honestly, because I thought you did. You said everything that you could about him, both good and bad. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Um, who's your number seven? My number six. Because, oh, sorry. Yeah, Beckton was my number seven. My number six is Matt Pert of UConn. Oh, lo- I love it. So I really like this guy. It's a guy, Jack Driscoll and Matt Pert ahead of Beckton and Niang. People are going to think I need to be checked into psych ward, and I probably do. But yeah. but outside of that, that this podcast, man, don't you, people people already thought that, so don't even worry about this. That's that's true. They, yeah. If they listen, they know. Yeah. So. He played two years at left tackle, two years at right tackle. That's pretty. That's that's a pretty good trait to have. Um, he had strength issues. His run blocking grade went from a seventy to a ninety from last year to this year. Ooh wee! Yeah, it's a big improvement. He, so I watched two games from him, and he just moves. Smooth. This is a lot like Damian Lewis and Calvin Throckmorton, like I talked about. He didn't do anything that I said, wow, top five. He didn't do anything that said, wow, not playable. I truly think Matt Pert will get drafted and play his first game and play a long career in the NFL. I think he's that solid of a player. But he does need to get stronger. I... I read about the Senior Bowl. I watched some clips about the Senior Bowl. And all the clips that he was in, he was getting bull rushed like crazy there. That's scary. They only get stronger the higher up you go. So he needs to improve his anchor. Um, That's really it. He doesn't want people around him. He's got a quick first step. He's got great hands. He just doesn't have that anchor yet. Um, He's someone that if he's sitting there in the third round for some reason, and I'm the Browns, I take him in a second because – you got a guy just kind of sitting around Cleveland. I don't really know what he's doing. Working for NFL Network has a Cleveland podcast. Has said out loud or aloud, whatever people say, that he wants to be a part of the Browns organization. Uh, and he just so happens to be one of the best anchors in NFL history. Arguably the best anchor, and it's really not even close, to be honest. Joe Thomas. Let Joe Thomas... Help this. Let Joe Thomas help you with the search. Mm! And then <laughs> let him teach these kids. Like, I think Bill Callahan was a great hire by the Browns. You bring in a Super Bowl head coach. You bring in a guy with so much experience. And I, I don't know this to be true, but I would say his experience is close to the same age as Kevin Stefanski is. Yeah, like, it's a, good a, point. A, great, a great thing to have. But let Joe Thomas come in and help, god damn it. He knows the new league better than Bill Callahan does. He's around these players. He played two years ago. Bill Callahan's great. 
But bring in all your resources. Joe Thomas, mm, bring him in. You need two tackles. Like, you need two tackles in this draft. Let him help you. But Matt Pert's my guy. Just, like, he showed he can improve his run blocking. He's a able run blocker. He's a great pass blocker. He just needs help with that anchor. Okay. Your man. So let me ask you this. If obviously the Browns have a few options at 10, let's say uh, they look at this class and say, you know what, as much as we love, you know, Thomas Wirfs, Wills at uh, 10, this class is so deep. Let's, you know, let's take Isaiah Simmons. Um, let's get um, McKinney. Let's get the safety. You know, let's do something like that because those guys are just special um, and we can get a tackle, you know, later on. If with the first pick in the second round, uh, if they take, um, you know, somebody like Pert, um, what do you think? Like, you think, okay, you know, that's a really smart way to maximize your draft because this is a guy who could be, you know, a left tackle starter and, you know, he's good enough to start. Like, it, you know, we, we recognize that Andrew Thomas is better or worse, you know, Tristan worse is better, but, you know, Pert would be just fine, and, and the combination of Simmons and Pert is better than, you know, yeah. Stuff so like that. What do you think about that? If I'm picking at ten, I'm hard pressed to pick a tackle at ten. Like if I'm okay. the Browns, if I don't trade out of that spot, I'm taking Isaiah Simmons or C.D. Lamb and trading Jarvis or Odell. Which I'm actually no, I'm, I just talked myself out of that as I'm thinking about it because. Jarvis and Odell, while Odell doesn't get any respect about it, are two great blockers and willing blockers. Like I know Odell is a diva. He gets that thing. He gets that thing. He's a diva. Well, this diva just played an entire season with a hernia injury. I know people that get a hernia injury and they act like they just lost a damn leg. All right. Secondly. How many times this year, John, I can think of five, that you see Nick Chubb or Jarvis on a long play, and then, who the hell is that? What the hell is that green mouth guard? Oh, it's Odell Beckham Jr. sprinting up from behind to lead block when yeah, he's not getting true. numbers. Like, true. keep Odell and Jarvis, play them 100% of the snaps, don't even sign Rashard Higgins, two wide receivers 24-7, two tight ends 24-7, no three wide receiver bullshit. We're going 1980s on them. Flip the switch. Anyway, so, I just say crazy shit all the time. I no, I hear you. I don't think uh, what's called real fast. I don't think um, I don't think they're gonna take. They would take Judy or Lamb at ten because the the composition of the offense. You know what I mean? If you're running uh, a lot of twelve and twenty two, you just you know two wide receivers is basically all you're gonna have on the field. I don't think you'd waste the tenth pick on a receiver that you're like, look, we just don't have the room for you. Oh, absolutely. Unless like you said, they were going to, you know, specifically planning to trade Beckham or Juice. Yeah. Um, um so that's that's an issue. But um but yeah, but if you you know if you like Xavier McKinney I think no. is absolutely in play if um I could do if it. Isaiah Simmons goes earlier and I think that you know, Simmons at number seven to Carolina is a very likely landing place. And so you might just be living in a world where, you know, when you come on the clock at 10, if there are no trades, uh, Simmons is gone. And so you're either thinking probably tackle at that point um, or McKinney, especially if Derek Brown is already gone. Um, 
So at any rate, yeah. So if they end up with a defensive guy at 10 and, you know, Matt Pert in the second round, um, you know, that makes, uh, that makes Chandler, Chandler Adams happy, huh? Yeah. So, um, real quick on the Browns. Sure. I would be way quicker to pick Javon Kinlaw. Isaiah Simmons and Javon Kinlaw would be my ideal targets at 10. Okay. Because I hate to say this guys, before I get shit on, I named my damn cat after the man, Larry Ogunjobi. I love him, but he either needs something to push him to that next level, or he's just not as good as we once thought he was. Okay, he's played bad, two bad years. He had a great rookie season. Okay. So, I mean, this this is all assuming Derek Brown's out there. If Derek Brown is there at ten, you you eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Bye, Larry. You can be the fifth guy in the rotation. It's easy peasy. Or what I would do actually, sign Derek Brown, cut Olivier Vernon. I play Sheldon Richardson on the edge. Go big dogs, big dogs. Anyway, I'm going off track. I could talk about this all day long. Um, Luckily, you host a podcast. None of these tackles excite me enough at ten, which I know okay. is crazy. I I love Andrew Thomas. I love Tristan Wirfs. I love Wills. But like at ten, I want a real game changer. And with an outside zone scheme, if we're talking specifically the Browns, you don't need any one elite offensive lineman. And lucky for them, they already have two elite offensive linemen, which helps them a ton. Having a great center changes your entire perception as a lineman. And then, so whoever we get at left tackle is going to have the best left guard in the game, being his right-hand man. And then I think Wyatt Teller is really going to excel in this um just at Kevin Stefanski offense because he is a mauler. And right tackle is going to be, you know, have to find their way. But to answer your question, Matt Pert in the second round, um, even Josh Jones, who is a pass blocker in the second round, is a steal. You know, I, I, I could, I could fathom taking Niang in the second round, but like Becton, I, I couldn't do it. I know he's higher on my list, but that's a projection thing. Yeah. And this is Browns centric. Like even Driscoll, my number five guy, I wouldn't want to take in the second round as the Browns player, as a Browns okay. organization. Okay. Because you know I need, I'm gonna need speed and like run blocking ability first and foremost. And Driscoll lacks speed. That's why what sucks is I think Greg Robinson would do great in this new system. But I'm tired of him. I cannot give him any more chances if I'm the Browns. But no, you. I mean, the Browns ran. Look, the Browns ran a ton of wide zone uh, this past year. Nick Chubb almost led the NFL in rushing yards, and the tackles were garbage. I mean, you know that. And and uh, to your credit, you said it earlier. We're talking about, um, you know, ne- maybe not necessarily. You don't need elite offensive linemen. Um, and Minnesota was proof of that last year. Their line was, by and large, very suspect. Um, and Dalvin Cook was fantastic, and they didn't, you know, because they move the pocket when they throw because there's so many bootlegs and naked boots, and, you know, like, they don't, you don't need, you know, that kind of lineman because you can fool the opponents. They just don't know where to go. They don't know where the ball is. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, to your point, like, we're doing this, you know, we're talking about tackles here, and the Browns are in play at 10 for one, but they definitely – you know, you don't, you're not penciled in. You can absolutely go somewhere else and, you know, get the, 
the sixth or seventh, you know, best guy, according to, you know, most of the consensus rankings and be just fine. Like it's most likely going to be an improvement um, over the tackles you had last year. And that's all you really need. I mean, you, you were good with, with bad tackles, you know, just think of how much better they can be, you know, with really good tackles. So, and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be done at number 10 overall. Um, you can go elsewhere and grab one of these guys in the second round if you like. And so, Absolutely. Uh, and actually the good transition because my number seven is Jack Driscoll. Um, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on this cause you already touched on it. Um, Driscoll, the, I guess I'll just talk about the con with him real fast. The, this guy is his body type is unbelievable. Like it looks like, like if you were molding someone with clay and you just let too much of it get to the bottom half and you're just like, Oh, whoops. Uh, why, why this, talk about junk in your trunk and your thought? Like this dude is huge at the bottom. And, um, so, and you can tell like he's sluggish, um, moving a guy like the Bosa's, would eat him alive like fast uh d ends that can just get off the ball quickly and time it up the way you know miles garrett does sometimes um i mean that this guy would get eaten alive against them and so you know that's obviously why he's number seven now maybe that's just a, a weight issue maybe it's something that he can lose you know that kind of weight um you know i'm not really sure but, uh, but yeah, that's the reason why I just have him down at seven. Otherwise, you know, a lot to like about him, but you know, he does have this issue where he's going to get beat by speed rushers and that, that obviously that's a huge problem. So, um, my number eight guy, uh, offensive tackle is another big dude, maybe the biggest one, uh, Trey Adams from Washington. Um, this guy, three, eight, three, 15. I'm sorry. Oh, you pronounced his name wrong. Oh, it's how do you a mountain. It's what? A mountain. Mountain. I'm sorry. I said Trey Adams. It is yeah. pronounced mountain. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Mount Adams. Um, <laughs> six foot eight, 315 pounds. Oh. Yeah. This, he just is, oh my God. I mean, incredible. Um, so uh, injuries derailed him. And this is the problem with um, Adams. So he dealt with uh, ACL tear and a neck injury that shortened uh, two seasons. So th- that's it. That's basically, you know, why he's going to drop, you know, he's on eighth on my board, and I've seen him at, you know, 12th, 13th on other people's boards. Um, the Anybody that big playing tackle, you're always going to have an issue with things like um, flexibility, um, you know, athleticism, maneuverability, things like that. Like there's just you have to give up some of it by being that tall and that long. Um but, I mean, just, you know, when you say mauler offensive line, this is a mauler. And usually that's reserved for guards, but this guy is ferocious. Um, so, you know, he's skillful. I mean, I, I and like I said, he, flexibility is a bit of an issue, but he's definitely skillful. He's got good hands. He's, he's long. Um, you know, he definitely has skills, that's for sure. And you're not going through him. You've got to get around him. Uh, and at 6'8", 315, that's hard to do. So, um you know, injury issues. That's the only reason he's at number eight for me. But otherwise, a lot to like. And if he can stay clean and healthy uh, in the NFL, then you've you, this is a solid guy. Yeah, uh, my brother, he's, he's pretty good. Nothing too crazy, though. I still beat him up every now and again. Oh, you guys didn't know we were related. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Chandler and Trey, absolutely. Yeah. 
uh, we should have had Trey on this podcast for. Uh, no, we don't talk anymore. So he's we'll busy working out. He couldn't. He couldn't come on the podcast. So actually, ah, uh, some of you listening may know my brother. He is not a future NFL lineman, but actually, anybody out there that know you know follows gaming or whatever, he was one of the first people in the world to get Damascus unlocked for Call of Duty, which just. Oh my gosh! I was there when he did it, and I was way more excited than him. He was like, "Yep, yeah, whatever." But so, if anyone out there that plays Call of Duty understands, so John, basically, you have to unlock everything for every gun. Uh, there's about fifty of them, not fifty, thirty, thirty-five, or whatever. But yeah, he was one of the first ones. So a little shout out to Hunter because he refuses to talk about it. But wow, yeah. way to go, Hunter! Yeah, that was pretty cool. I was. I would say so. That's pretty impressive. I was way more excited than him, though. He was being. Uh, whatever about it but um so i really do like trey adams injuries scare the shit out of me though that's i mean that's it acl and neck injury hasn't played much um because of those that's that's really it he did have a bad game against bradley and a apparently i haven't watched that game yet i mean it's just loaded with offensive draft prospects that's why i refuse to watch it um he had six pressures and a did though so the Utah Washington game from this past year, yeah, yeah, gotta, and then, that out. uh, oh, John, this must be what you're asking about the High State Michigan, I mean High State Washington game. I do remember Chase Young going off on him last year as well. Okay, I remember that now. Okay, so that's another one where, uh, yeah, what's uh, Adams got uh, lit up? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone on Washington got lit up that game though. So it's like I don't really put that one on him. He's going up against the best pass rusher. In college, every, everyone was just deflated on Washington's side. They did, they thought they deserved the college football playoff for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, right. I think you have one more on your list. I have just, I have a, I have a deep sleeper, so I want to talk about him last. All right, I'll go through my sleeper, and then you can hit yours up. Okay. Um, so my last guy, the sleeper, uh, is Ezra Cleveland um, from Boise State. Um, so. This is a uh, 6'6", 3'10", redshirt junior. Um, so the reason I have him as a sleeper is um, this guy, so obviously size is good, 6'6", 3'10", like we said. Um, athleticism is fantastic. And specifically, um, first step, you know, quickness with his first step, and then lateral mobility. Um so this would be the kind of guy where, uh, you know, if you're the Browns, you're taking, you're going to have to take two tackles in this draft somewhere. Um, and if you want one of them to be in the first or second round, then this is the kind of guy with one of those extra picks that you have, you know, third round, um, this could be the other, the other tackle. This could be the guy that you take and say, okay, uh, this guy's good, um, he got, you know, he, he's not a highly ranked prospect prospect because he has a couple issues and I'll get to those in a second. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you can definitely slide in and with Bill Callahan coaching your line, uh, you know, you really might have something here. Um, so foundation wise, excellent, uh, good, you know, solid base, um, structure is great. The, the, the reason he's lower is because he's extremely inconsistent. Um, so technique wise, you know, it's just snap to snap. You're watching him and one snap looks perfect. And the next one, he is just, he's, he's reaching and you're, he's way off base all of a sudden, you know, and just, 
out of position. And when you're, like I said before, when you're like that, you know, they just tug and, and you're done. I mean, that's it. So, um, so just learning to play, maybe it's a little bit out of control. Um, you know, wanting to, you know, get to that, that punch and get there fast and just be, you know, the kind of tackle that is, um, you know, just superior to, you know, whoever he's facing from the rush side of the ball. Um, so maybe it's just that maybe he just needs to calm down a little bit and play more within himself, things like that. But, um, you know, as far as the guys that are going to be taken around this range, I, I think he is from a, um, just a physical standpoint. I think he, he offers more first of all. And then if, if all he lacks is, you know, like I said, sloppy technique, then that's a coaching issue. And so if he can get coached up, uh, this is a guy that you could, he, th- this would be like a perfect right tackle. Okay. He's someone that you would never move to the left because you're like, he cannot play on the left side for sure. Um, and anymore, the left and right tackles are kind of being blurred in the NFL, um, as you mentioned earlier, but, um, but this is not someone that you would say this can be a left tackle, but as a right tackle, this is someone who could have a nice long career being a, just a solid guy, you know, maybe a pro bowl season, you know, one or two out of 10 years, but otherwise, you know, you're like, just, this guy's just fantastic. He's, he's good. He's not phenomenal, but you know, someone that you is just going to be really solid. So, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe a target for the Browns later, uh, stick on the right side, coach him up and you got something. Ezra Cleveland and a badass name, right? I agree. I like that one. I like uh, Curtis Weaver of Boise State too as an engine defender. He just might be my number three. Ooh, we'll see. I have Ooh. to look more into it, but right now he is. But yeah, any, Who's your Anyhow, are you all ready to hear my deep sleeper? Who's going to end up doing phenomenal things in the NFL? Nice. All right. My man was a zero star coming out of high school. He went to Granada High School. Browns fans, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's where Jannard Avery went. R.I.P. Jannard Avery's career in Cleveland. Nice. Um, so he went to East Mississippi Community College in 2016. Program started to take notice. He was considered a three-star JUCO recruit. <laughs> he got interest from Colorado, Georgia, and Mississippi State. He went to the Bulldogs and started to see snaps after a redshirt season in 2017. I'm giving you his life story. <laughs> um, okay. What's his favorite type of cereal? Uh, Frosted Flakes. Of course it is. Before rotating in at left tackle in 2018... On those on 345 snaps, he had 81.3 pass blocking grade and a 70 blocking grade, run blocking grade. Um, and once he became a full time starter in 2018, he was the fourth highest graded tackle in the SEC that year. Um, he uh, in consecutive weeks he went against Marlon Davidson, Darrell Taylor. Clavon Chasen, I got it right, and he only allowed nine pressures. So that's an Auburn, Tennessee, LSU defensive end, three pressure, nine pressures. That's in three straight weeks on Mississippi State's team. That's super impressive. Now, in 
400 pass blocking snaps this season. He allowed two sacks, one hit, 12 hurries. The hurries, uh, okay, so here's, I'll go through a pros and cons now that I told you the life story. His favorite kind of cheese is extra sharp. (laughs) I feel like this is the game where, like, you reveal clues one at a time that increasingly get easier, and, like, eventually, like, it's going to snap, and we're all going to be like, oh, I know who it is. Oh, I should have done that. Did I say his name yet? No, you basically are doing that right now, and I think I, I think I've got it zeroed in. So, okay, I haven't said his name yet. All right, no. this man's mountainous. He is six five, three hundred and fifty pounds of pure, uh, good mix of fat and muscle. Um, he, his ability to torque edge defenders with his upper body. Are just once he starts a rep, if he's locked in, they're done. They can't do anything. Um, can literally cave in an entire side of a line. Now, no ladder agility, uh. minimal depth out of stance, surprisingly susceptible to a bull rush. Okay, you wouldn't expect. Um, He's basically limited in the run game. This man's Tyree Phillips of Mississippi State. I gave you my life, his life story. We love it though. There's a good chance Tyree Phillips doesn't ever see the field because if they can't trim a little bit of weight off of him, a lot of things go into it. He's got to go to the right system. But there's just something when you watch him, and it might be because he is literally a truck. He looks like a F-150 beside a couple of Fiat's or something. <laughs> this man is a walking mountain. I think he can get it done at the next level. But a lot of that is just hoping that he goes to the right system. So, Tyree Phillips, Mississippi State, my deep sleeper in this class. And that is subject to change. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um Let's uh, real quick. I'm gonna run through my rankings. You run through yours, so everybody has a complete list real fast. Okay. Okay. So interior offensive line, I've got Jonah Jackson one from Ohio State, two Tyler Biadish, uh, Biadish from uh, Wisconsin, three Nick Harris from Washington, four uh, Natane Muti from Fresno State, and five Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Uh, tackle list, I've got Andrew Thomas one from Georgia, two Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, three Jedrick Wills from Alabama, four. Josh Jones from Houston, five, Mackay Becton from Louisville, six, Lucas Niang from TCU, seven is Jack Driscoll from Auburn, eight, Trey Adams from Washington, and my sleeper was Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. All right. I'll start with the offensive guards as well. Interior offensive linemen, I apologize. My kombucha has got me drunk. I wish that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> number one, Jonah Jackson, the Ohio State University. Two, Tyler Biotish, every rule football player, every offensive lineman in rural Ohio high school football look alike. Tyler Biotish. Three, <laughs> Natani Muti, Natani Muti, Fresno State. Just a 
Ab- the Hulk. The Hulk. That's what we're going to call him. Four, Damian Lewis of LSU. And five, Calvin Throckmorton, who is a tackle. His a tackle, but I, he will he is projected to slide into guard. And then my sleeper was Matt Hennessy. Tackle rankings. Andrew Thomas of Georgia. Jedrick Wills of Bama. Tristan Wirfs. Iowa. John's offensive line crush. Hmm. Four, Josh Jones of Houston. Five, Jack Driscoll of Auburn. Six, Matt Pert of UConn, my offensive line crush. Seven, Mackay Becton. Just a freak of nature. Eight, Lucas Oaktree Niang. And my sleeper was Tyree Phillips, who also is sometimes mistaken for Mount Everest. <laughs> Man. Love it. F- that was a fun episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, again, uh, you know, the like we said in the beginning, the quarterbacks, uh, once they start getting, you know, people reach for them, these, uh, these tackles and guards and stuff are going to fall. So if your team needs one um, – you know, be on the lookout. These are uh, these are guys that can change your, you know, as you saw with the Cowboys, they went, you know, offensive line for a couple of years and all of a sudden, boom, add Zeke. And now you've got, you know, one of the best rushing offenses and in, in uh, football in the whole league. So uh, this this kind of stuff obviously can matter. So, but that's our list. Yeah, sorry, I was reading something about the Browns, seeing if it was anything important. It was not. Um, yeah, I, man. John, let's just duke it out right now. What what position should we do next? So that's funny. I was just thinking about that. Um, and you want to flip to the defensive side of the ball? I was just thinking, yeah, defensive side. I was thinking that since uh, Kuda is going to be probably the third overall pick, maybe mm. corner is a good way to go next. Um, I like that. I'd say corner or safety. Um, and I guess depending on if we want to handle that uh, together, um, probably not. There's probably way too many. I would yeah, say no, we, we have to we have to do that separately. I would say do corners, and we might be able to do safeties and linebackers together. Oh, interesting. Well, that's that makes a uh, that makes a lot of sense considering Simmons can <laughs> basically play both positions, so he'd be number one on both lists. <laughs> so, yeah, he might be yeah. the number two cornerback. Yeah, he might be the but number yeah. one running back. I, I'd put him anywhere on the damn field. I'd play him at left tackle corner we can definitely do yeah maybe uh we'll put up a uh poll on the atb sports uh twitter and uh mm. see what everybody thinks just like you guys spoke about wanting to do uh you know offensive linemen next so that's how we that's how we came up with this episode but yeah we can put that out there and see what you guys think and uh we'll go from there i like it i'm uh also for those of you listening probably gonna put out my offensive tackle um list I'll, I'll put my offensive lineman list in an article john if you have time and you want to do that too that could be something so like people can cross-reference and stuff like that but uh yeah you know and we'll add the uh what's called we can add the quarterbacks in there too since we posted okay. that episode already obviously so we can just keep adding to these um uh adding to the list as these uh podcasts come out so we'll have a uh, one place where you can go to get uh the kind of our rankings for all the positions Perfect. I'll start Beautiful. one up tonight or tomorrow. But uh, anyway, if you're listening to this and you haven't downloaded that episode, just hit the just hit that button. It takes three seconds on 4G. It doesn't waste your data and get unlimited data. Come on, it's 2020. <laughs> I'm about, I'm already almost on 6G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, you don't even know wow. that thing. Yeah. You're from the. You must be from the future. Yeah, I am. 
and the Browns so, win the 2020 Super Bowl. 2021. Oops. <laughs> um, yeah. Folks, if you're on iTunes, if you're Spotify, wherever, please subscribe to the podcast. That helps us out a lot. Uh, feel free to leave a rating and review. That Doesn't also have to be helps good. us out a ton. Yeah, be honest. We're not begging for five stars here. I mean, if you really think that's what we are, then please, if you think we're one star, feel free to leave a comment. Let us know why. If it's something that we can improve upon, we'd love to be able to do so. We do have one one star rating. And John, it was way before you came along, so don't worry. I did read that one. I did. Uh, <laughs> it was I, If I could rate zero stars, I would. So. His name's Nugget something. Nugget like, seven or something. Yeah, it's like Nugs, you know, <laughs> like cloud Nugs or something. It's oh, like, okay, man. Yeah, you got to love it. I yeah. yeah, especially on Twitter, I get everything I tweet now. I have people bitching at me. So yeah, if I don't I follow mean, you or you don't follow me, I don't get the notification anymore. So uh, speaking of, uh, you can be found at Chandler Adams with two S's and I can be found at Cleveland spider. That's spider with a Y S P Y D E R two S's so, because uh, I'm a snake. That's right. Maybe that should be reach, my nickname. Since reach out to us and, uh, let us know what you think. And, uh, if you want to, you know, we'll put that poll up. Who do you, what position do you want us to do next? Yeah. I, Good deal. Yeah. I think that's all. Um, last thing actually, sorry. I don't even know if anybody's still listening at this point, so we might just be talking. But uh, John and I and Eric have talked about trying to get a Monday, Wednesday, Friday release schedule out for you guys. We're going to get that figured out soon. So it's so hopefully every week is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or close to that. Um, you know, If we don't get three episodes out every week, shit happens. But yeah, download. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um we're not on TikTok yet. We're not on the TikTok yet. But make sure you subscribe, leave a review. You can hate on John, just don't be don't be mean to me. I can't handle it. No. But thin skin. He's got thin skin. Yeah, I got I'm a snake. I, I shit my skin too easy. But anyway, thank you all for listening and we'll be back with a defensive position next next show. Beautiful. Thanks guys.